Welcome to the Abstract Doctors Podcast. Today, Dr. G and Dr. C will discuss your health, heart rate variability, diet, and more. Make sure to stop by theabstractdoctors.com for more information. The Abstract Doctors Podcast. The doctors are in. Open up your mind and say ah. It's great to be here. Welcome to the Abstract Doctors Podcast. Uh, This is Ron Garbo. Um, My interest and specialty is physical medicine rehabilitation and heart rate variability and how that relates to whole health. My partner in this podcast is Dave Sifu. He is the uh, brain health expert. He is the lead for the consortium for the entire military and VA system uh, concussion and brain injury research project. And what we hope to do is uh, uh, codify, um, cleanse uh, data for people to make it useful and and get things out there uh, to help change some paradigms. Uh, my story in particular uh, started with burnout and, um, and, and, and I think the loosest word I can use is stuck. I was stuck. I think a lot of people can relate to being stuck when you're, you're stuck trying harder. When high performers, just their go-to is working hard and they have this hyper arousal state and that can cause fatigue. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I met Dave, and now I'm part of his department, and we put some some things into place. And I have a, uh, a what I believe will be the boundary and the way we look at psychology moving forward into the wearable age. And I think that boundary is the same boundary as the first law of thermodynamics that you cannot create energy, um, you can only uh, transfer it, that energy is finite. And this stuck hyper arousal state is this high uh, RPM state. So when you're driving down the highway in second gear, it's not gonna destroy your car immediately, but it's really inefficient. And so I believe energy fin- is finite, will bound the way we look at emotion, that we will make choices. And so Dave Sifu is one of the highest performer people I know. And it even applies to him as I watch him because there's one thing he doesn't do. He doesn't waste a calorie uh, on, on dead ends. So that's my segue to you, Dave. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think uh, hopefully we can uh, re- really uh, banter back and forth so that the folks listening to this can, can, uh, can, can, can hear the, the yin and the yang. But I think, you know, we've got the same end game. And, you know, that end game is, is you know, everybody's seeking this higher ground or this nirvana or this special state. Um, and, and, and there is a special state. There is an elevated state. There is a place where you can be highly efficient, where your brain is actually clicking on all gears. Uh, you know, it's not that's not there are actually no gears inside your head, but it's it, it's using uh, it, its resources efficiently. It's not wasting energy on 
uh, being in gear two, as you said, by being overstressed. It's, it's, it's not worrying about what it isn't doing, but rather it's just existing in the environment that it's in, which is how an animal, a wild animal in a positive way lives. You know, a deer, a fox, a, 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 a sphinx, all right, there were sphinxes, all right? A sphinx doesn't think about where is it gonna, you know, uh, you know um, uh, where's it gonna land tomorrow? Is it gonna be sleeping well tonight? That relationship it had yesterday, you know, my boss is so bad. Rather, it's moving through the day and it's letting it happen. You know, we actually know, our brains know how to function in an efficient way. We get to that steady state. But life, the world, marketing, our boss, our loved one, whatever, can kind of shift us and, and kind of put us in a, in, a, in a place where we're not quite feeling as, as efficient or, or as flex. Or an event, right, Ron? You know, an event, whether that's a traumatic brain injury or that's a car crash or that's an explosion in the battlefield can kind of put our brain off. And rather than listening to our bodies and our brains, and let's hope our healthcare experts and our, our counselor, rather we kind of fight against that and, 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 and we kind of get into the, we get it stuck, you know, and, and you can be stuck in a very low gear. We kind of sometimes call that depression or you can be stuck in a very high gear. We can call that PTSD or anxiety, but it's still stuck. All right. And that doesn't mean it isn't a, you're not, you really are stuck, but it isn't something you have to stay in. Right. And, and so, so, you know, so let, 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 let's turn it to the real world. So the people listening, someone's stuck, they're coming to you. What are you seeing? What are you, what, how are you visualizing them? What are you doing? Yeah. Well, well, first I, I want to make a comment that, that I want to, we want to introduce uh, about a dozen different terms to help shape paradigms. And, and for those of you, the high performers out there uh, that think like this next generation is weak because they're on anxiety medications or this and that, they are performing at higher levels. There is a difference in this generation. And um, I believe that the printing press changed Europe. And I believe that the combination of a smartphone and the internet is as big or bigger uh, change to society and has physiological impact. Well, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm holding up a book right now to show Ron. I'm reading a book right now that said exactly that in the last chapter. And the book is called Moonwalking with Einstein. And it's a book about your brain and memory. I mean, it's a very fun book. It's a very relaxing book. But it talks about how before Gutenberg, so before the press, before cell phones and smartphones, we actually relied in our brain in a very efficient manner. We could memorize the entire Bible. We could memorize our in every phone number ever told to us, but we didn't need, to, we didn't use artif artifices to do that. Our brains are actually set up to do that because that's a survival mechanism. But this current society, you got to be, you know, you got to be using a smartphone, you got to be Twittering, you got to be whatever the words are you're doing these days, or you're, you're posting to some set, and, and you're always kind of jumping around, but we're not using. The, our brain and or our body and, as one. We're not using them the way they're efficiently set up. Most of us aren't. I, I'm getting closer to it, and this book is helping me to do that. But I totally support that. Modern evidence supports that. So I, I might say my first, our first controversial thing. So if you're nice. a performance person out there, 
and you agree with Bobby Knight that trying harder, trying harder, trying harder, that puts you in a hyperarousal state and is energy inefficient, that, that, that this generation needs to just try harder, I would say you're a dinosaur. Mm -hmm. uh, this is, there is a fundamental shift in human physiology. When I got out of residency and I got paged with a pager, I wouldn't respond till if I'm halfway driving home, I wouldn't respond till I got home. And the answer was call in the, call the office in the morning or go to the emergency department. Now I have thousands of charts that I have access to in my phone that creates a whole level of higher quality answer that is expected from me and risk and accessibility. Um, and so I had a heart arrhythmia five years into practice and I'm already looking to get out of medicine. So, so there is a fundamental shift in human physiology of what I, I'm trying to define intentional recovery, the age of recovery. And that is um, uh, valuing, understanding, and now measuring recovery. And it will flip the dynamic. We already know how to accelerate power, endurance, load tolerance, uh, stress tests, uh, tilt tables, different ways to measure load. We are now going to measure recovery. And the faster, deeper, deeper you recover, the more load you can handle. And so we're going to flip it. Once you're ready in shape, uh, we're going to monitor your recovery to see how much load you can handle, and it'll flip it. But that can be applied to athletics. I've worked with a wind ensemble. I treat patients with chronic pain, brain injury, spinal cord injury. And this notion of being stuck, either if you're a perfectionist and a B-plus uh, affects your self-image, you could be stuck. You could be stuck if you're a woman that was abused as a child and now you have a back problem uh, and now you're stuck in pain. Uh, or you could be an athlete or a service member that gets a concussion and now you're stuck in that low, low high RPM gear uh, when you shouldn't be exhausting your brain. So there are many different applications. Just this week, uh, I saw a, a gentleman um, and he had an event, um, in the seventies when he was in the military and, uh, he was in the VA system this whole time, came to our office. He started working with, he also has chronic back and leg pain. So this, there's a high association, as you know, Dave, this, uh, chronic pain and PTSD. And, uh, during this model that we've developed, uh, in about four sessions of, of treatment, uh, including focused breathing with heart rate variability, biofeedback, um, we have health trajectory change in five visits. Um, he's been on a, a, a medication that, that's potentially addictive three times a day for a couple decades. We've been able to reduce that. Um, by the way we prescribe, I did an injection, but the, the breathing brings about, um, it creates empty space. And what I say is the fear bubbles up and then there's a pattern. Um, 
of what you fear keeps bubbling up. And he divulged this event in the late 70s to us for the first time. But he'd been on these addictive anxiety medicines for a couple decades. He felt safe in, in our clinic. And so he took this on. Uh, I did prescribe an opioid, but what's especially different that I don't see my colleagues do, it's a patch. Gives a low amount of opioid safely without the hand-to-mouth breakthrough uh, oral reward. So we got him some pain relief. He did have a nerve injury in his back. I did the nerve test. I did the injection, calmed that down. Uh, and then what we talk about is the fire and the gasoline. And the fire is the nerve, and we're going to put a patch blanket on it. We're going to spray it with some cortisone, try and calm down the fire. And then the analogy we give is you're standing in front of the fire with two buckets in your hand. And those buckets happen to be filled with uh, gasoline. And so trying harder will do harm. And as we sit in this COVID moment, um, we need to learn how to be still at times without energy. Last few weeks have been very difficult for me, waiting on these really important grants that have been delayed and things like that. And so I have to live what I'm doing and not waste energy. And we teach people the breathing techniques, you know, the underpinning to mindfulness uh, is diaphragmatic breathing. There's three or four other things, but the objective part is this heart rate variability biofeedback. So we learn and we teach them to gently put down the buckets of gasoline without spilling them and let go of the handle. And I, I think that is that analogy is when you're stuck in what's called the default network in your brain to get to your frontal lobes and think differently, that latching mechanism between the default and the frontal lobes, prefrontal lobes, is letting go. It's not trying, tr trying harder will keep driving that hyper arousal. And I am happy to say that, you know, during the COVID, we didn't see him for a month and a half and I saw him this week. And it is clear that his health trajectory is changing with the model of the medications and the breathing, the combined. Yeah, let, me, let me just step in and, and maybe highlight some of the points you made and, and maybe help to clarify it for both me and, and for the folks listening. You know, I, I think I, I, I like the point that, I like the point that you make that I think some may miss that, um, you know, aiming for the stars and working hard and being competitive and handling the, 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 the flurries of the 21st century isn't a bad thing isn't necessarily a goal you shouldn't achieve being if you want to be type a and that gets you somewhere you know that's doable you know that that that, that may be the second best choice the first best may in fact be to to be in this this kind of uh, floating through life and really enjoying the highs and the lows but if you wish to pressure you know and i was there you were there and it's great and it, it's a great rush right and that's a great state to be but what you're suggesting is you're not going to be successful doing that 24-7 or every day, Monday through Friday, and then all of a sudden you're better Saturday. You actually have to say, around the turns of life, I need to pull off on the, on the accelerator, 
tap the brake, so to speak, and figure out how to decompress so that my body can build up that reserve, that space. All right. And, 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 and I think, you know, it, it's the give and the take that actually some people like. Some people like that going fast, going slow, as long as they have enough supplies to do that and the brake pad is good. It's fine. I, I, I hopefully either at the end of this podcast or the next people get to the point where they even say, you know what, even the highs and lows thing isn't it for me. I like to just coast just below my high and just above my low as much as I can and use my night times or my off times to fully restore and recharge my batteries. I mean, that's, and that most people do not do well. Like I've got too much juice in my batteries right now. I'm loving this, man. I can, you know, I can glide like this forever, you know, but I think that's a key, key point. And then the second big point that I heard you say, which I think is really helpful to people out there that aren't quite at the nirvana level that we're at here, the, the, you know, the, 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 the ethereal fluidity, fluidity that we're at, you know, is, is, you know, if you've had long-standing issues, multifactorial, it could be you were abused, it could be that you had a fall, it could be you had an injury, you saw death, it could be you know, you've become bankrupt, it could be five levels, and you've gotten a little bit older, a little fatter, you've had a divorce, you've, you know, you've, you've, you've twisted something, you've injured, you know, all these levels, despite that, there are some short-term relief things that can be expected, all right? And you've highlighted a number of those. They're not cures. They're not even close. They're not the answer, but they are ways to kind of give you some space to do some recovering in and then to get back on your life trajectory. So there are some short-termers, but those are never the final answer, all right? There is not a magic bullet. There is not a magic pill. Even chloroquine is not, in fact, a magic pill. You know, th those things don't exist. They truly don't. Because great clinicians like you are not sitting there holding back on these final answers, this, this, this single answer, for the right moment, six months into treatment. You know, you know, you know, you're bringing out the right treatments the first time, but but you are establishing relationship. You're establishing understanding. You're getting to know the individual with the difficulties as much as he or she is getting to know you and your style and approach. Right? That's that, you said that. So patients, patients, individuals who go to see care providers, clinicians should go with the expectation that they're going to have a relationship built. They're going to learn what you know and how to apply it to their specific life. And then they're going to incrementally some sh see some short-term gains, but more importantly, they're gonna learn how to get on, back on nature's, their lifetime trajectory of normalcy and of feeling well. You know, so I, I think those are some really key, key points. You know, and, 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 and I know you know those are the points, but I wanna make sure the folks are hearing those as well. Um, because I think those are, those are home runs right there. Yeah, thanks. Um, and so, yeah, to bring that back, so I'll introduce a concept right now and a second controversy. Um, uh, so the autonomic nervous system is the body-brain connection. It has those two levers, the yin, yang, fight or flight, gas and brake. So, um, you know, we get rigid thinking. Mine was... The, the Board of Health is going to take my license away if I prescribe something incorrectly. You know, somebody else has a different thing that causes rigid thinking. A B plus and I'm not a good person. 
uh, that sort of thing. So you, the common term is cognitive flexibility is the answer. What I'm saying is to get to cognitive flexibility is that if you do the focused breathing, modulate heart rate variability, that you'll create some autonomic flexibility to for more creative thinking and that's what these podcasts a big key is that how do you get to that more creative problem solving and so i i want to break apart cognitive flexibility with autonomic flexibility and focus breathing what mindfulness and heart rate variability biofeedback and several other things can do is create autonomic flexibility and then you have to make a decision and one of my decisions in burnout was to finally conclude the board of health if they're crazy and want to get me they can get me it's likely they're well-intentioned capable people and if my record keeping is reasonable i should be okay so i had to make this decision but meditation had to be first before i could get there in the veteran you know one of the things he may have to do that with a lot of people with ptsd have to do is forgive themselves it's strange when you look at it you know a child being abused that they have to forgive themselves but they need to hear that and they might not be able to hear it until they've developed a practice of of breathing and when i say hear it i mean take it in uh and 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 so this notion i think with wearables we're going to get to that 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 forgiveness is healthy and then another thing if you ask somebody you know who's had a trajectory change in their life i'm willing to bet you can ask them about a moment when they made a decision i don't believe in intricate behavioral change programs i believe in facilitating people to make healthy decisions like forgiving yourself or me to think that the board of medicine is likely made up of reasonable people although it may not but i can't control it either way so uh and so this notion about behavioral change versus facilitating healthy decision making there's a very popular book called the power of habit and a very excellent book 275 pages of how to modify your habits 271 pages of that and then the last four they talk about well you know what at the end of the day you have to believe (laughs) so i think i think what we're doing here is that is free you have to believe in free will decision making and if 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 you're abused as a child and now you have chronic pain and you have rigid thinking and you're in survival mode um one of the answers you know thoughtful prescribing could be part of the answer uh, but making the autonomic nervous system more flexible and start making decisions whether it's forgiveness of yourself someone else um, you know the conversation about forgiveness could go further but uh, the point is is uh, excessive behavioral change uh, can be exhausting in itself. And I believe wearables are going to prove that certain types of counseling are exhausting. Hey, hey Ron, let me, let me make two comments. Number one is when you're saying wearables, you mean wearable technology to give data information to you so you can understand what your body, what your brain, what your muscles, what your sleep is doing. Because people do well. Not everybody can just hear words 
and change them into something meaningful to them or believe in them, et cetera. And so I think that's one thing just to clarify. And, and you'd said the autonomic nervous system, which is, which is a system that, you know, does control some of the automatic behaviors and some of the reactions that we do. I just, just to give people on the, on, on the other side of some words, the other thing I want to highlight that, that I think we, we can't leave is that when you create this space, when you allow your brain and your soul to kind of take charge and to have this time and this space, you're allowing it to be creative, all right, to create. Whether that's creating positive thoughts, creating forgiveness, creating happiness, creating relaxation, you know, and, and, and I think a kind of a, a, a cornerstone is you allow your brain to get to where it needs to be to help you to, to get back this space, that energy, that this, this build your batteries up. And being creative allows your body to create space, whether that creativity is for you exercise or is painting or is playing guitar or is swimming or is deep breathing. You know, so I think, I think you know, we have to kind of, I want to bring it back to the abstract artist and the abstract physician concept, doctors, that doctor piece is, you know, you know, you don't have to separate it and say that, well, I'm going to work on the mind and then the body and then I'm going to do some art and I'm going to do some exercise. You know, like, like my brain pretty much is there for all of those things all the time. And I'm being creative right now while I'm talking to you. My brain is charging. You know, I'm, you know, when I'm, when I'm on a call, I'm maybe doing something else that's creating space in my brain as well. So I want to keep us focused on that too, Ron. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and one thing you're not is stuck. No. No, I don't know what that even means. Yeah, no. For the people out there who may be stuck or working with somebody who's stuck, whether it's an athlete or a patient, I'm going to give a little analogy. For people our age, Dave, you remember the movie Wall Street where Gordon Gecko talks about greed is good. Yeah. Younger people, the most recent episode of Billions, uh, Axe gets up there and basically does the same thing, says greed is good. If that person comes to me and they're stuck, we can do the things we do to help you get unstuck and guide you and more malleable. But if, if, if your value is that greed is good and you keep trying to take money from Dave or myself, we will continue to be in your face, which will continue the stress. So you'll have to, if you, if you want to be effective, you may have to visit this value of greed is good or not if you really want to change trajectory and if you say to me i want to stick with greed is good well that's probably as much as i can help you i can't you know when you start taking from other people um they're going to get in your face and and charge you up so so i'm always trying to work for and so the breathing bubbles up the fears and the, so the fears could be you know whatever b plus is the end of the world um, or a uh, runner-up in a basketball tournament is the end of the world. Um, so you got to recognize, you got to make certain decisions is what I'm always looking for. Hey, let, let, let's sex it up a little bit. Um, and let, let's, let, let's actually, now I'm going to stay dressed. Let, let, let's, let's talk about the, uh, some of the technology because I, you know, I, you know, I think, uh, 
the world is enamored with wearable technology. They may not know it. They may not know that they're giving their biometric data to uh, folks, to Apple and to, you know, and to uh, 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 IBM all the time. And, you know, when they're wearing an Apple watch or they're calling in their phone or they're using, you know, a, 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 t a type of software, but, you know, you know, th there's always a downside to, 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 to things, I guess, but, but really we have the ability to, to better understand how our body is doing um, and then to really understand that without the technology. To me, that's the ultimate goal, of course, is to know when you're in sync and know when you feel ready. But, but what about folks that can or people that are just obsessed, they want to see the numbers, the data. What kind of technology, not the specifics of, of the size of the watch or the, or the, the name of the brand, but rather, you know, what are the what are those elements? And you keep talking about heart rate variability, all right? And without getting into the the formula of that, clearly accept that this technology can help us with. But what are some of those elements that can help that that we can learn from technology? Right. So one of them is intentional recovery. I think longitudinal nocturnal HRV. So that's measuring your overnight HRV and your sleep. Um, will be and the way i like to talk about it is say it's preseason with an athlete we know that we'll get a sense of the size of your tank as you start exercising we'll get a, a sense of how large your tank is now you're nearing the end of the season you're getting stressed out now we see your tank is big but over the last four or five days you've not been filling your tank and that might lead to burnout and poor performance so so tracking the whole night so what's been happening up until the last two years, people were doing morning heart rate variability numbers for anywhere from one to five minutes, which not useful. Now we're going to have hours and population health data. And, and with COVID, you know, if your numbers start going down before you get the fever, you know, we're going to have thousands of people to get data. I mean, the, the medical world has been kind of slow to applying heart rate variability science because of the lack of devices. This, the, what's beautiful about this situation, unlike any other, is I don't have to promise what the data is going to show. we got decades of Framingham studies that say how important. And now we are able to access it in the real world. So, so that's one way. The other is we'll, we'll be real time. And one of the, the things we'll end up doing is we'll be making energy allocation decision. Is it of value to be in this texting argument? And suddenly your watch is going crazy because you're arguing about someone's sentence structure and it hurt your feelings. Um, you know, and you're going to go on for one minute or three hours and hurt that relationship for a year. Who knows? You know, so it's just what can you control, what you can't control. So it'll help us moment to moment in certain ways to cue us to make an energy allocation decision. It can also measure our tank. Um, and, and, and it's, it's really launching right now in the medical world with this COVID moment we're having. So, so, right, so, so if someone is listening to this and they've got an, a, a watch, or a band or something they wear it now, whatever it is, uh, a, a crown they put on their head. However, they're getting their heart rate variability, all right? 
Right, the, the ring. Right, right. You're you're wearing the, the HR the mood ring for HRV. All right. So 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 you're suggesting that if they understand how to access the right elements of that data, so they're actually looking at the right stuff, or the band is idiot proof, so it just says you're green now and you're charging, they'll be able to really moment by moment say, I'm in a good place right now. I'm or I'm charging or I'm charged. This is a positive situation. Or this is stressful to me, but it's important to me. It's not greed, but it's something. So I'm doing it, but I'm aware that it's it's taking away from that. Is, is that correct, Ron? Absolutely. You're picking yeah. your moments. Yeah. It's supposed to be an on all the time. When I work with a team, and I've, I've changed, uh, helped help guide culture shift on two college sports team and one wind ensemble. And the, the, the things that I can... It's amazing that I can do. I trained one wrestler as uh, I traveled to Italy and to Siberia, literally Siberia. I'm tracking overnight HRV with these current devices. It's, it's, it's really fun. Uh, but you were asking the nuts and the bolts. There's a couple things I do. You, there's two devices I need. I personally, one is to track that ambient or overnight HRV one device for that. And these will become one device and another how to augment and shift gears with heart rate variability biofeedback. And then the rest I do is really based on the approach. One is discarding vast amounts of data. So in this wearable technology era, these performance coaches are getting overwhelming amounts of data. They get control coaches lose control and that makes them anxious and that nothing makes sense. And I think what I do particularly well and spend attention is what to focus in. I tell people not to look at the last day of their overnight HRV. What's your trend? Uh, that's one big thing is, is, is tossing out data and what are the important numbers? And I don't, I need about 5% or less of the data that's sent my way. So uh, I like to say what I can bring to this, having done this for over 10 years, uh, is that I've been down all the rabbit holes and I can save you rabbit holes. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and I think that, uh, you know, as we're maybe transitioning and winding down, I think it's gonna be important that we talk about how can we provide to the folks who are on this podcast kind of a summary of, 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 what, of what's in your brain just to get them started because you know they're not gonna all see you in clinic and they're not gonna all email you and text you and you don't want that trust me um but but you know what can they use as a resource as you know what's the best book that's out there website that's out there i mean and and and, and i realize there isn't a best one but you know a book or book chapter that you're just about to get published you know that kind of stuff because i really think that People will hear this as they'll hear a lot of other kind of uh, uh, internet things, other things, and kind of say, yes, that sounds like me. Yes, I could benefit from that. But then I'm left hanging. You know, what? what is that next step? So I, I, I hear that some of the data is important. There's the overnight data to charge the battery, and, and, and that can be done by being creative during the day and by making sure that you're, you're ready for sleep and that, that you're, you're setting up breathing techniques before sleep and as you're going to sleep to kind of uh, um, uh, 
get in sync your breathing and your heart rate, which is the heart rate variability element. I get that's how you optimize that. So that's one element. And the other element is understanding the energy choices, the stress choices, the, you know, the, what is it taking out of me day to day, moment to moment, you know? And so that could be something as simple as the ring you're, you're wearing right now, or just a, a sensor that gives me direct feedback. Um, and then once a week, once a month, whatever it is, looking at my battery to make sure my, my overarching uh, energy storing at night is normal, just as my, uh, uh, um, um, my uh, uh, electric car may not be charging perfectly the second I plug it in, but at the end of the night, it's fully charged, you know, and, or, and you're saying at the end of a week, we want to make sure that it, you're charging on a regular basis and, you, you know, you don't get stressed about it. So w what's the resource for that? Because I believe it. I hear it. I've read it. But, but what can someone out there use? And, and you don't have to necessarily answer this second, but we can link it to this podcast is what are some resources go wrong yeah i can give two two directions one heart rate variability biofeedback as the breathing techniques can help you shift gear so there are many different devices out there and the terminology is very confusing this gets back to energy is finite most everybody has decided that parasympathetic braking system is going to be green and the fight or flight is going to to be red and when you change from red to green with the breathing technique you are becoming blah 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 just remember energy efficient you are shifting to a more energy efficient state you're going to save for a different time if it's not important if it's time to get up get out of bed put your shoes on go take your test you go do that <laughs> But if you're just laying in bed in a texting argument, um, you know, maybe do some breathing and make a different choice. And then the next thing is the other side, the heart rate variability. Remember, the bigger, the better. So you want big HR. Always been my motto in life, Ron. Always been my motto in life. Nice. So we're wrapping up with that. Um, but uh, when you have HRV, you, you want... You want the bigger number. And I'm going to challenge you, if you're one of these high performers that's stuck, I'm going to challenge you right now. And you may have a device on. Just for two weeks, I want you to not, not follow your load data. How many steps, exercise. I want you to break free from that because my assumption is you're already a high performer. You're ready. And I want you only to track Overnight HRV, bigger the better, track total sleep and track the percentage of deep sleep and only focus and, and, and blow your mind because you've been focused on working harder than everyone else your entire life. And now you're only going to compete within yourself on how well you recover. If you get any of those numbers better, you will feel better and performance will follow. When I work with the basketball team we proved first that they could have fun without a drop-off in their uh uh performance and then the next year they just launched to the final four division three um so so i'll leave you with that yeah no it, it's akin to trying to build the world's tallest building on the world's smallest foundation which is what a lot of peak athletes or 
or artists are doing is they're, you know, like I can be the best, I can be the best, but they're not taking any time foundationally. I mean, hopefully they've come up through a system that's allowed that, but that's pretty rare to have a system that actually builds that. And, and part of that foundation, we can't ever finish a, a discussion of this, is making sure that we're putting the right fuel into the building of that foundation. All right, you know, and, and, I, and, and you know, there are, you know, it's going to be very um, plant-based whole food diets, of course, right? That we're making sure that we are spending as much time as possible really just exploring our inner space as well as you know appreciating the space around us it, it while i enjoy a mirror it isn't about me all right it's actually looking at the, the our nature around you uh communicating socializing with others making sure that we're really letting our brains kind of uh, expand beyond just what's what's really in our small worlds because we lead we lead fairly small worlds uh, covid's made it even smaller but we lead we lead fairly small worlds so it's really important that you know art and nature and creativity and others and spirituality are part of that system. So, you know, I don't want to distract from the HRV or from what we've talked about, but part of building that wide foundation for that tall building is really putting all the right elements. There's no shortcuts in this. So I, I will leave you with that. I know, Ron, I'm going to let you have the final word and kind of any kind of a wrap up, but, but uh, Ron Garbo uh, is going to have the final word. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, I, 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 we will attach to this podcast uh, some links and we will make sure those are included in there. Everything from the value of how to use the abstract art at the abstract athletes approach to art and creativity to do these expansion, but also specific things that Ron Garbo would recommend both products because we can do that offline, but also uh, resources, uh, perhaps a pre-publication copy of your chapter, which we can put out there and some references, that kind of stuff. And But I'll link. Uh, and uh, certainly we would love to get feedback and uh, uh, we're ha always happy to answer questions. So let me let me turn it back over to, to the big G for his, uh, for his final statements. Well, well, thanks again. This is a true honor. Uh, uh, Dr. Sifu is probably the, the, the top person in our field. And like I said earlier, the guy doesn't waste a calorie and the fact that he just took uh, 50 minutes of his time uh, to do this with me is a real uh, compliment. So thank you very much. And I will end with that. And see you next time. Thank you for joining Dr. G and Dr. C today on the Abstract Doctors podcast. The Abstract Doctors is produced by The Abstract Athlete. For more information on podcasts, events, and subscription boxes, please visit theabstractathlete.com. As always, follow us on social media platforms under The Abstract Doctors and The Abstract Athlete. The office is now closed, but join us on our next appointment when Dr. G and Dr. C welcome health journalist and COVID survivor Jessica Berger.